there there will be times where um, I just cr cr have this thing where I hyper focus in my head, um, and that's probably been the most debilitating. Um, where I there's just this type of thing I just call a traffic jam where it ruminates and I try to fix it, ruminates, try to fix it. So that's actually a main cycle that I'm trying to bring up right now. I'm actually in a four month CBT program at the moment. Um, but that one, that one I had, I had one that lasted about three weeks where it was just like, I couldn't really do much. Um, and that, yeah, that was incredibly challenging. Mostly because it's incredibly painful. Um, and you're, you know, you want to do any, anything you can to get out of it, which makes it worse. It turns into a bit of a Chinese figure trap, um, trying to get out of it. I just but, call it a um, figure trap. Yeah. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. But, uh, oh, that's good. We might that's have good. to edit this. I yeah, don't know. No, Cause I am Filipino and I don't want to, you know, but, um, yeah, true. When I stepped on the ice, I never backed down and I never stayed down. And I was vicious and I was malicious and I don't care. <laughs> How do you know Colin Wilson, Willie? How, how did I meet Willie? I met him on, I mean, uh, yeah. uh, we had a Zoom meeting one time, a bunch of NHLers, and we were talking. That's how I met him, uh, along with you. I met him, I met you. And then uh, certainly, it, it's just funny, the story. Uh, we I played with his dad in New York. And my wife was pregnant with my daughter, uh, Tara, at the time. And Willie, uh, Willie's dad, his wife was pregnant, uh, his mother, with him at the same time. And it's just weird. You know, he's born in Greenwich, Connecticut. I live the next town over from Kerry Wilson, Colin's dad. And, um, and all these years later, here I am now, <laughs> friends... With, no, I, I think that kind of shit's It's crazy. crazy. Yeah, I'm friends like, with hey, his son. dead unborn child. I'll be, you know, <laughs> yeah. we'll be helping each other someday. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you where, but we will be helping yeah. each other someday. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, and when I think of it, you know, Carrie, I haven't seen his dad since, you know, we played hockey in New York. That was it. See you later, Carrie. Take care. Have a good life. And end up meeting Colin and... We actually met. Have you? Have you? You haven't even talked to his dad or crossed paths. I haven't seen him since I played wow, with him. That's wow. Crazy. And that, kind of player was he? He was a, a gifted center iceman. He had a very good shot, good playmaker, uh, solid on his skates. Very good player. And um, yeah, he was a smart kid, like uh, his son. He passed his brain down to Colin. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't even know. Colin, yeah, Colin's. Yeah. He just uses big words. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just, you know. Kind of to show us, yeah, you know, like, dumb hockey just, players yeah. up. That this it? really confuses someone like me that's, I'm like, this guy's a genius. <laughs> 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 no, he does have a really good, uh, you know, um, he is intelligent, you could tell. Yeah. Tell he, he, like, reads and processes things. You know, I, I always, I, I struggle at that kind of stuff. Yeah. I need a teacher. He gets a little deep, you know, um. He seems like he, his point of view on certain things. He goes places where you wouldn't expect, right? You're like, yeah. wow, where'd yeah. that come from, right? And, you know, certainly. Um, yeah. 
He talks like a, uh, what do they call them? Like a uh, therapist. Yeah. Yeah, oh, there he is. Today, welcome. Uh, Colin Wilson going to join us today. Uh, 11 years, National Hockey League, played with the Avalanche, <laughs> played with the Preds, drafted by the Preds. And um, yeah, funny, played with Colin's dad, Kerry Wilson, in New York. And I knew Colin before he knew I knew him. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Good to see everybody. Awesome. Yeah, you guys, what's the, what's the story? You knew him before, what did you just say? I, I like, I kind of knew, knew him before, before today, you know what I mean? Before I, I, oh, I met him, you yeah. know? Actually, the story is, and I mentioned it um, before to you, Tim, and Colin, but uh, Colin's mom was pregnant with him when I was playing with the Rangers, and my wife was actually pregnant with my daughter Tara at the same time. So I kind of... Kind of knew Willie before I knew Willie, if you know what I mean. Yeah, there's no formal introduction, but no formal. L little later on. All right, yeah, Willie. No, we we were talking about that. How like it's like, hey, your unborn child. We're gonna we're gonna one day help each other. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you're 32 years old. Uh, a lot of people see that you're 32, retired from hockey. What's going on now? What are you doing now? I'm in my final four weeks, month of uh, college, and then I graduate. So I'm here in Boston, in Southie. You know Southie South well. South Boston. Uh, yeah, I'm basically just a local Southie kid. But uh, yeah, finishing up my degree in psychology at BU. Be done in May. Uh, get to walk. And um, at the moment, also applying for graduate school. Um, got engaged, doing that whole thing. So um, yeah, things are moving. Wait, you're in college? Like... Like you're going to campus and you're just like, I know it's a dumb question, but like yeah, that's... yeah, no, I'm, uh, it was, it started during the pandemic at least. So I was, it was online. So, um, it was less awkward that I was at the time, a 31 year old in a room with, <laughs> you know, like going and trying to speak French with 18 year olds. Um, so, <laughs> but now, yeah, I'm in a classroom. Like I literally just got out of a classroom where, you know, I'm bumbling my words with with these like 18 year olds sitting next to me and i'm having to give a presentation on montreal montreal it's it's some um, elementary stuff but it's an interesting time uh yeah. but enjoy, enjoying the education side of it 32 played in the show yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I slipped that in i know how to say that in french now how is that you're back at school at your age and with all them younger students do they all know like you played in the nhl and it, it are they like you know, big hockey star in class or what? <laughs> Nobody has an idea who I am. They they probably uh, think you're like a teacher, like 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 a, you know, like yeah. part of the staff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trying to get my uh, yeah hours up to be a teacher. I think I don't know. I have I have the face mask on, which I think can bring my age where they think maybe I'm a little bit younger, and they're trying to figure it out. But no, there's not much. No. Yeah, nobody knows what I do. Are you the only like one that, that wears a fairy face mask? No, oh no, we have to. <laughs> yeah, that we, liberal we bastion at Boston exactly. University. He's like, I don't yeah. want anyone to notice how old I am, so I'm just gonna keep wearing. This <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's uh, so yeah, that that's helped, but no, it's it's really not this like big man on campus. It's more just some old dude on campus who's going from class to class the old perverted dude going back to school at his age. <laughs> yeah. no i'm only yeah. teasing come on willie um uh, yeah, listen uh, okay back at school and 
doing you played at BU uh, in college. Now, is that why you have such an affinity for Boston? It seems to me like you really love Boston. A lot of people they go off to college, great, they have fun in the town. They, I'm going back home when it's over, and here you are back in, in Beantown. What's that? I, I enjoyed the training here a lot. So I just started coming back here and especially, you know, my first two years playing uh, professionally, it was nice to come back and be on campus during the summers and hang out with a bunch of, you know, people my age. Um, so I just started doing that. And then after a while, just kind of stayed, kept training, bought a house. Um, so it wasn't too hard for me to uh, come back. Yeah. And just kind of, kind of enjoy it. I enjoy the city. Uh, enjoy Boston, and it's a, it's actually been very nice in my in retirement being able to really enjoy the community more. Do some walks at Castle Island. I didn't even know that place existed. Sullivan's, just grab river. a burger, clam yeah. roll, <laughs> a box exactly. of fries, right? Yeah, you exactly. guys should just talk about Boston this whole show. Well, we could. I'm sure we could. <laughs> just, yeah. What do you What are you studying there? What do you what, What's go your Graduating yeah. psychology. What? Yeah, psychology. So That's doing right. psychology predominantly, uh, but it's been yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, obviously, it's it's. I wasn't going to go back to college unless I said I um, had something I wanted to do, and psychology um, through my own uh, <laughs> through my own story obviously became incredibly interesting to me. Um, so it's been cool to go back to school and learn, but also learn about myself, um, others around me, kind of learning, you know uh, psychoanalysis and, you know, more theory-based stuff, but this, um, also taking neuro courses. So kind of getting a whole, uh, spectrum, um, which I'm sure B tries to accomplish with a degree in psychology. Yeah. You say that it's, it's funny, uh, going back to school, studying this, to, uh, you almost said like, I want to figure myself out, which is awesome. But for people who don't really know or are aware of your situation you retire at a young age you had some physical things with your hip i get that but you played your entire career ocd you didn't um you didn't uh well you had a tough time dealing with that during your career now you were in the players tribune you wrote a couple articles one on the ocd and then you came out with a second one about drug addiction um that I guess dual addiction, if you will. Did you think the the addiction piece came because of the OCD? Yeah, there's a lot of question I think for everybody around addiction. Like, you know, are you born that way, or does it come on? Is it environmental type thing? So, I'm sure if I took care of my OCD, I would have fared much better. Um, you know, um, in maybe not developing at the beginning a drug habit, which turned into a drug addiction, um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely, I would lean, I would lean that way. I think it was a um, a faulty coping mechanism on my part at the beginning, gave me relief, um, you know, and then by the end of it, um, it was something that um, was a incredibly negative impact on my life. So I think, you know, having, if I could have started things at a little bit earlier, uh, the type of recovery that I'm on now and, um, and the type of tools that I have could have been a bit of a different story, but you just never know. Did you start studying like psychology when when the second uh, article came out? Like you know, like you came out with the OCD. Did you actually like kind of was it just like you knew you were hiding like the addiction part, or did you kind of like throughout a little bit of time or like you know what I am this too? Yeah, I think that 
yeah so a, a part of me didn't want i think it was too much i thought it would be too much to throw in what i wanted to throw in if i said i wanted to describe ocd and mental health and then i thought it, it would be too much to also throw in diction and properly explain it and properly explain what i was going through because i think they're both very abstract comments unless you're in recovery so i didn't want to uh yeah muddy the waters but at the same time there also was I wasn't necessarily ready to admit to the world that I was an addict um, and felt as though I would, I didn't feel comfortable with it, felt I would be judged more. And that's not to speak on the, I mean, slightly obviously speaks on the uh, stigma of it, but I felt, I just felt more comfortable at the time also just speaking on OCD. But I mean, in in either of those situations, it kind of does take take a lot to get you there um i would have judged the shit out of you if you'd put that all in one article this, this weirdo was a drug it would have been a novel people would be like geez where do i pick up the book so oh it's awesome yeah the ocd and and you talk about it and you're very open about it but when when did you recognize it the first time okay and then and i'm not saying in your career first time in your life did you did you recognize or look back when you were young and go, oh, that's what that was? And then when did it kind of pop up and become a problem for you while you were playing the NHL? Yeah, so I can look back and, uh, yeah, so easily point to times at, um, you know, seven or eight. I, I was very drawn to counting, had to do a lot of counting. I spent a lot of time counting, um, had some other things uh these type of obsessions and compulsions um uh it started to really get bad i as soon as i turned pro which uh it's typically around 19 people have like some seems to have um more of a traumatic event or something of that nature but i was probably a little bit more pressurized and uh started thinking about you know is my body going to be injured how am i going to stop it from being injured and started having this ruminescent um obsessions um and, you know, that just started very, very early on in my professional career um, and, you know, certainly wore me out. And, um, you know, I'm kind of surprised it lasted that long with how much it was kind of wearing me out. You know, because I, I, I have people, you know, I, I know people with, with OCD as well. And I, I think you and I have talked about this, um, you know, the difference of someone just simply walking out a door and they have to, like, touch things a certain amount of times or you know, things like that. Like, is that similar to like what you were dealing with? I know your, yours was more like you're focused on something that would consume you. And you could talk about that with like your skates and stuff when you played. Um, but like, is there a difference between those levels of like OCD where can someone, you know, you said, take care of yourself. Like if someone doesn't take care of their OCD, like what happens? Um, I think it becomes really debilitating and I haven't, I've only seen it slightly to, um, like where, where somebody becomes completely debilitated and I, I've kind of experienced, I've kind of experienced it as well, um, to an extent, but yeah, you, in terms of taking care of it, the, the best therapy out there right now for it is CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, as well as exposure response therapy. So, I mean, it's, it's also for any, any anxiety disorder. So essentially if you have anxiety and you try to avoid it or try to do something about it, it makes it worse. It creates a negative feedback loop in your brain. So like with OCD, you have the obsession, that's the O, then you have the compulsion gets rid of it. 
so your anxiety is decreased, but then it comes back, so you have to keep doing it. The loop keeps making it worse and worse. So basically, CBT and uh, exposure response therapy is um, you know giving you a little bit of distance so you don't react and create that negative feedback loop or you know react to anxiety, which makes it worse and worse. So it just kind of stops the rumination um, at the beginning, and you know on top of that, you can do um, obviously a lot of um, talk therapy, psychoanalyzing childhood stuff. I think it's all good. It's fun to hit everything from every angle. And yeah. And as you kind of described, I, my obsession was skates, um, with, I had an obsession that my skates were wrong. I would retie them. I would get one minute of relief followed by, Oh my gosh, my skates are wrong, which just led to a whole lot of tying my skates in my career. Well, yeah, tying them to your hands bled. And when you do get into psychoanalysis and you do graduate, Willie, um, Tim, you have to do a psychoanalysis on Tim, okay? Because I really want to find out how this guy evolved in this world. I don't. He's, he's no, a special I, yeah, I mean, case. I, I mean, he's hey, a special case. Give me a discount at yeah. least. I'll be here. I'll, you know, I, whatever. He'll be a case yeah, study. Yeah, I'm in. He'll be in a free. Whatever you need It'll to be do. A free trial. Need to do. So, yeah. Colin, the uh, the yeah, the tying of the skates. You tie your skates that give you some relief when you talk. Debilitating. It's it's difficult enough to get ready to play an NHL game. You know, going on the road, you play one game one night, you back to back, you got four games a week sometimes. It, it, it's tough. And people don't understand how difficult it really is to play in the NHL. That being said, with all that, plus the OCD, how, uh, how give us an example of one of those debilitating times, I guess. I mean, during my career, my one contract year, which was somehow my best year, and that's what the very first year that my skates actually um, came into the play. I mean, it was just I was, I was going, you know, nights and nights without sleep. Um, really worried about getting to the rink. Like, I mean, I, I developed a fear of going. I mean, I, I could be at the rink, but just thinking about having to throw my skates on for a game um, would lead to a whole lot of anxiety and knowing that I had to feel that way. And then, I mean, I played the game and, you know, 90% of my thoughts were around my skates. Um, so, I mean, that, that was certainly debilitating, um, in that regard, but it more affected my play. I think since, I mean, outside of hockey, there, there will be times where, um, I just have this thing where I hyper-focus in my head. Um, and that's probably been the most debilitating, um, where I, there's just this type of thing I just call a traffic jam where it ruminates and I try to fix it, ruminates, try to fix it. So that's actually a main cycle that I'm trying to bring up right now. I'm actually in a four month CBT program at the moment. Um, but that one, that one I had, I had one that lasted about three weeks where it was just like, I couldn't really do much. Um, and that, yeah, that was incredibly challenging, mostly because it's incredibly painful. Um, and you're, you know, you want to do any, anything you can to get out of it, which makes it worse. It turns into a bit of a Chinese, figure trap um trying to get out of it i just but, call it a figure um, trap yeah sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh it, but uh oh that's good we might that's have good. to edit this i yeah, don't know because no, i am filipino and i don't want to you know but um yeah true yeah no what i was gonna that no good. but like what people don't and, you know i don't have yeah. i can't relate to what <laughs> what you're saying but you literally would like go through games where you could score a goal or you know whatever would happen, but you wouldn't like remember, right? Like it's kind of like that part's like black. It's like a blur almost. Like that's like what 
people don't realize of like how consuming, you know, something as simple as like tying your skates can really, really do to somebody. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't remember too much about that year. And I mean, to, to again, take away the variable of drugs or something like that. I, I wasn't, uh, I, I was kind of drinking like every now and then during that year. Um, there was nothing else involved. It really was just, that was kind of straight OCD. Um, in that part i mean yeah if you have a, if you have a lot of anxiety or um people tend to not have as uh good of memories if you're in fight or flight the whole time so yeah i mean it's it's debilitating um it's quite uh yeah quite difficult with, the, with alcohol time. and drugs would it work like you know like obviously you're if i'm guessing you're you're doing those things to like kind of escape what you got really going on right that's how right am i wrong or i don't know well no i mean i mean we could certainly <laughs> I'll talk. I talk about drug addiction. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I'm not it, judging. It I'm just saying I might know. No, a little no, bit no. About, but it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's something. Yeah, I mean, of course, anything gives you. You know, you're trying to escape your head. Anybody who goes into addiction, so you know, it does work the first couple times, and that's kind of the issue. Um, so obviously, it gave me some distance, um, some time away from my head, um, and that's that's the issue. The first couple times it works, and then after that, um, you know some other other things begin to take over so you're battling the ocd yourself which is difficult enough when does this become an issue around your teammates uh management coaching staff when does it come to light and did you did people understand you did they try and help you or was it like okay that kid's a fucking weirdo we gotta stay away from him well Cause you know how it can be in a, a, a locker room like that, right? It can. Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah, no, it came, it more came to light. It became a, an issue. Yeah. During our Stanley cup run, which is incredibly unfortunate. Um, you know, there was, there was times where, you know, I just had friend, uh, a couple friends on the team. Um, and then, uh, Lavi had called me into the office just being like, Hey, are you, are you okay? Something's obviously kind of going on. And I, you know, I, I kind of just played it off as, as whatever, you know, because it didn't, it kind of seemed like normal life for me. Just, it had pushed over, um, you know, everything had kind of been building. So Lavi, meaning coach Pete Laviolette, how, how did you like him by the way? Yeah. Curious. Mm -hmm. Did you good coach for yeah. you? No, he's a good coach for me. I think he, he was somebody who, um, Brought a lot of energy. You could, you could tell that he cared a lot. It was he made he made being at the rink fun as well as challenging. He was one of those coaches that could push you, um, and at the same time, in pushing you, you knew that he wasn't just being an asshole. Um, so, I hated you, uh, him. Yeah. Did you... No, I mean I had him at World Championships. Yeah, and he didn't know who I was, <laughs> so I hate him. <laughs> So Swear to you, God. you didn't get treated. No, well. he was he was good. I, he was like really good. No, he. I'm just kidding. I didn't obviously. Didn't, he didn't know who I was. That, that was true. But you know, who did? Like, I, I met him in like the air, like at the, at the security line at the airport. You know, for and he was just like, oh, I don't know, like who, like I'm like it. You like I, signed I your T-shirt? Like fuck, yeah. Like you know, like I played on this team last year. Where were you? No, I'm just kidding. But no, I I, I was just. Um, but he was really good at just. I, I don't know. I thought he was very good. Like just kind of like right before the game, like a mo like not motivator, but he was just very good at kind of getting your rah rah. Was he a bit yeah. of a rah rah? Yeah. But I think it was, it was like a fun rah. It really, because I, I tend to, I tend to not like yeah, rah rah. No, it was, he was, he made it fun. So I, I, I enjoyed it, but yes, I didn't know if he was exactly. a lot more, you know, 
larger pom poms the world championships but no no he gave this kind of like he would just he was it was like yeah i don't know how to explain it but it wasn't like rah-rah but it was like shit yeah, yeah, like, yeah. i'm pumped now pete <laughs> pete is from massachusetts right and i ended up playing with him when i was with the rangers he was in uh on the minor league team at the time we had a couple of injuries he gets called up and Michelle Bergeron was our coach, the tiger, the petite tig, right? And he was like crazy. Like Michelle was intense, emotional, and everything. We're having a scrimmage, and Peter gets burnt by Tomas Sandstrom. And afterwards, he breaks his stick on the net. And he had just got called up. Bergeron, he stops the practice. Who the fuck you think you are? Tabernak, you break your fucking stick. You... N- you play the rest of the fucking scrimmage with no stick. So, fuck, here he is. Fucking out there. The rest of the shift, he plays with no stick. He's getting burnt, embarrassed. Then he goes back on the bench. And he grabs a stick and he comes back out. And Bergeron says, no, I said no fucking stick for the whole practice. <laughs> and he took the stick and threw it in. And I'm going to tell you right now, I swear, I think that is the day. That Peter Laviolette said, I'm going to be a coach one day and I will never fucking treat a player like I just got treated. I think he made the decision that yeah. day. But uh, it was a funny story playing with him. But yeah, so Willie, yeah, the OCD and, you know, you explained at one time like being in a corner like a scared animal. Like, shit, how about being in a situation where... And I've been in plenty of these, and I'm sure you have, and you, Tim, too, where, you know, something bad happens in one game. You got that rivalry team you're up against, and you know you're going in that next game, and the shit's going to happen. Shit's hitting the fan. Uh, Someone's dropping the gloves. Someone's going to get slashed. Someone's going to get cross-checked, and you know it's coming. Like, how did that affect you? I would act sick. I would just have the flu. I would have the flu. No, we know. <laughs> would that be the Filipino flu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the flu. We call it just the flu. Okay. Um, obviously, I was in a slightly different role where I wasn't too, and the game has changed. With that, we can, we, yeah, game changed. It changed. No, I. Yeah. But no, they had yeah, some. Yeah. No, but those, I had, right? I mean, yeah. my, the big games, which is weird, like the playoffs where, I mean, I just felt like I was out of my mind type thing, like. Yeah, it would certainly build. Yeah, it it was difficult, but it, it really felt like every game was kind of like that. And I was more worried about bat. I think I f- I felt more like the back to backs, or if I had four and six, you know, a four and six or something like that. That's where I was kind of like, oh shit, like this one's going to be very difficult because there's going to be no chance for me to recover here. I know I can't sleep, um, so that those would mo- be more difficult when I was looking at the schedule um, versus. Yeah, versus anything, but and it didn't really matter. <laughs> I, I was thinking so much about kind of myself and my skates that I, or you know, other other. <laughs> I was gonna say like, were you just like, fuck, I gotta tie <laughs> yeah, my skates yeah. a lot. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> this road yeah, I don't trip. To, I don't care if I'm playing against Crosby or not. Like, I, <laughs> I gotta get my <laughs> skates right again. So it's uh, yeah, it felt it felt more more to that. But I do remember it was, uh, against the Chicago Blackhawks game one. I really like played and I literally out of my mind i had two goals in the first period and i i i went into the game going how am i how am i going to play this one um so that was a a good testament to the way the brain works because it's just somewhere in there that i can skate you know and continue to do that 
How about the brain working this way? You know, the macho, all the macho stuff in the NHL locker room and on the ice and playing with pain and da da da. Were you worried that teammates would find out and maybe be a little embarrassed by your OCD? Would it, I mean, did that ever yeah, kind of I mean, play in? It was weird because even though I knew, you know, I had something going on, like from 19 on, I was kind of like, okay, there's, there's something there. Um, yeah, I think it's still, I think it still became a very difficult position, even when recognizing that something had to change, just the vulnerable piece. I think anybody, you know, I, the locker room is a little bit more masculine for sure. Um, but I think everybody, um, has difficulties with humility and vulnerability. And for somebody like myself who really had never tried to experience any, um, of those aspects, I think it became, you know, more challenging, um, regardless of where I was. But I mean, even within that, you know, I think my, my Colorado locker room, um, and the guys were pretty, pretty great and, uh, pretty open and like Tyson Berry and Nathan McKinnon, I would actually like talk to them all the time about it. And we all talked about, you know, our stuff. So it actually, um, turned into pretty healthy relationships within the room. Did you ever come across a teammate that, 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 did you ever come across, you know, obviously you don't have to name teammates, but like, oh, uh, naming someone... them all. <laughs> yeah, that's what this is about. Throwing people <laughs> under the bus yeah, and just yeah. ruining lives. Um, but no, seriously, like, did you ever have someone you came across in, in your career where you like, they knew you're like, this guy has exactly kind of what I'm going through and or, or probably not. I'm assuming. No, just... no, but I, I've had teammates reach out, you know, Pat, like after writing articles, um, but yeah. even with it, yeah, but yeah, with, yeah. yeah. But outside of that, I mean, it, it, I think I give more props to the guys that I played with who, I mean, the guys who went uh, and, and got sober while, you know, while or before, before I played them, you know, if we're just going to talk about the arena of mental Yeah, health. the other guys yeah. that, like, fucking threw their lives that were trying to, like, throw their lives away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're trying you. really hard. Yeah, we, <laughs> I'm, all, I'm, we all tried our I'm best. I'm guilty. Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, like, I mean, like, Toot, like, Toots went, Tutu, Jordan Tutu, you know, he went mid-season, and I, you know, he came back a different person, and ever since then, he really, he really has been, um, you know, and, like, coming, Brian McGratton coming in, uh, Dickie Clune. Uh, you know, Austin Watson, these were all guys that, you know, I was going through stuff and they, and I would still kind of look at them and go, Oh geez. Like, I wonder what, what that's about. You know, I had absolutely no lens, uh, you know, kind of pointed in my own direction. Yeah. It's pretty tough to, um, get in touch with your feminine side playing, uh, in the NHL and being in a locker room. I get that sharing your emotions and your feelings. So you're dealing with that OCD. And I get that. And you gave a great description in one of your articles. And I'm going to read it if it's okay. What they don't tell you about cocaine or ecstasy or any similar drugs is that they undo years of your brain's wiring in seconds. The chemicals released in our mind when we succeed, when we fall in love, when we have that amazing moment. Cocaine and other drugs will bypass all that and release them immediately. It hammers on that button, that feel-good button, and it presses it a thousand times a minute. Buttons that should only be pressed a few times a week or a month, it hijacks our natural uh, physiology. Now, man, when I read that, I feel like I'm destined to be like brain dead in another five years because uh, that yeah, button yeah, got yeah. pushed it's big like, time, right? But you got a little ways to go, Nux. <laughs> yeah, but 
that statement, it's an unbelievable description. And, and the OCD, having that, obviously, you said it kind of contributed to that. But playing in the NHL and being involved in the cocaine piece, like how difficult was that? It must have been. Now, listen, I played in the NHL. Tim did. I drank. Yeah, I had fun. I didn't do drugs while I was playing in the NHL. I don't know how I would have. And I've done that drug before. And I've got up in the, you know, well, I went to bed at 7 in the morning or 8 in the morning and went, had that fucking guilt. And I, I don't know how I could have walked into a locker room the next day after fucking spending all night snorting coke and being out. How'd that, how'd that fucking work for you? Yeah. Um, so the, I think I mentioned in the article as well, I think there was like, I think I, I, have, I haven't read it probably since it came out um i think i mentioned there was like one or two kind of breaking points and those were the only two times um that i had done anything the night before practice i I tended to keep you know which is like another reason why i kind of for a while was like i don't necessarily have a problem because i wouldn't do it unless i had the day off and knew i had some time to kind of recover um but yeah no it's it's horrible that is probably the worst feeling worst feeling that you can have um i mean it just you know talking about um uh, you know just talking about hammering that button while well, the brain is always in balance and if you hammer a button too many times the, the brain responds and wants to be in you know imbalance so something like that like your your dopamine receptors actually <laughs> kind of get soaked soaked down so you actually don't even have as much um available and that that feeling is just the worst because of it um so i i look I look back and those, those were kind of the two breaking points. And I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I had the wherewithal to be like, okay, this is, these are two times where, um, you know, my job is being affected and I'm still acting this way. Um, which tends to be, that is, you know, one, one of the leading, um, definitions of addiction is avoiding the negative consequences. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of where I was. Um, and it was something I would, you know, I, yeah, wouldn't recommend to anybody. Although the way you write it kind of sounded like an ad, I was kind of like, "Oh, what is this stuff?" It sounds <laughs> sounds pretty solid, but uh, no, I think it. Uh, yeah, it, it it's it's bad days. Some, it's putting uh, gasoline on the fire as well if you have OCD or any um, anxiety disorder. Yeah, no, I, I I think this was a. It's an amazing description because you know I obviously have my own journey and trying to be the best I can be for me, but like, you, you know, just kind of re- talking with other people that are, are trying to, you know, be better, you know, that struggle with addiction and all that. I mean, they, it's like years, you know, before you like start, you know, some of you know, then it's, it's like the first year, it's like years, they're like, it's a physical, mental. And it's like what you, what you wrote here and that it, it is a really important what you just wrote of like what you're actually doing, um, to your natural brain, right? Like, yeah. Well, I think the, the whole the whole reason I wrote the article is just because I wanted people to understand it better. Um, I wanted people to understand what addiction is, and I think that that you know that what you read out there is a very good example, you know, a very good descriptor of it. And I think you know through my through my journey of addiction and looking at you know the way that I viewed it, you know, previous to being on the other side <laughs> of that kind of invisible line and you know becoming um, addicted myself. Um, I just wanted to, you know, break barriers and get people kind of thinking about it. Um, and that was, you know, that was one of the ways and I'm glad that, you know, it resonated, 
Um, is there others. a comparison between OCD and can you compare OCD and addiction or is it kind of like they go more like hand in hand? They, they feel, they feel to me sometimes like cousins, um, because there's times, so like, for example, I'm back in school. So I wrote a paper and there was one line out of like a six page paper that I was like, it feels wrong. And this is kind of the way that this will be like another good um descriptor of ocd but i was like no i think it i think it feels wrong okay i no i need to change it i go back and i change one word around put the you know put the laptop down i start walking away and it's like no no it's wrong and i went back and i every single time i went to do it i would feel better and then i'd start walking away and it it does kind of remind you of a drug because you're like oh my gosh i want to go back and feel better i want to do it and like it's like this urge that you have to go back like i had this urge uh to go back and fix that line and it wasn't until 15 20 times down the road and it was really strong this negative uh reinforcement pattern and all of a sudden the anxiety is even higher uh, making you want to go back further and further so it does uh the behavior is very similar um in that and you know i was avoiding negative consequences at the time but i mean at the same time it's also very different and working in different systems in the brain. Do you, do you feel like you are you continuously learning? You know what I mean? Or do you, you know, do you feel like you know everything about your situation? You're aware of it, or do you feel like the more you are you, are you trying to like better like learn more and more? Is what I'm saying? Yeah, trying to learn more and more. The I think it's my a huge, a huge part of myself that I'm trying to work on is humility, and I think the more that I know, the more I don't. And it's been pretty humbling um, <laughs> to realize. Um, and I think I, I'm trying to understand more. Um, and that's that's been like a huge reason to go back to school. Um, I wanted, and it was at the beginning, you know, thinking I could, you know, this, this addiction thing or this OCD thing, that we just will find a pill. And I was like back going, okay, I'm going to find this pill and we'll be good. <laughs> um, wouldn't be as fun as yeah molly but it'll be a pill um and <laughs> and uh so i've been yeah looking for that but i i don't know i like learning it's it calms my brain down um so i'm glad that that's my hobby <laughs> and that's kind of how i feel about it we're in conversation with colin wilson former nhl played with colorado nashville predators uh now back at school uh with all the 18 year old kids so <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. Listen, um, Willie, when you think of all the struggles, right? And I look back at my career, right? I get up today, my fucking hips, my shoulders, my hands. I got trigger finger. I got a new knee. I've had like multiple surgeries, like crazy. I have my good days. I have my bad days. When you look at all the struggles, everything, that journey, uh, however painful it was, um, you look back on it when you fulfilled your dream of playing the NHL. It was your dream, right? As a kid, most certainly was. Yeah, it. Uh, and it, it it's all worth it, right? For you, when you look back now. Yeah, I think, I think anybody can, anybody can look back on their past and want to change things. And I certainly can't be a, I don't know, born, you know, born again spiritual person being like I can look back and think everything went as you know as it was planned because shit would i change some things um but no i think it i, I can certainly have compassion for myself in the areas where i was coping um coping wrong 
Um, and at the same time, I did get to live out my childhood dream and it was my dream. And um, to be a kid from Winnipeg um, and make the NHL Greenwich, was... Greenwich, Connecticut. Let me correct you. Greenwich, <laughs> I know. I'm a Greenwich kid. I'm a Greenwich kid. All right. My dad, okay. Yeah, my dad's a banker. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's... Uh, it, yeah, it, it was all, it was, it was worth it. And I get to be, you know, here and alive and same as, you know, same as you, I'm feeling those aches and pains, um, on a regular basis, but you know, it's, you know, there's, there's lessons in it all. And I, and I'm working to see where the lessons are as opposed to just getting incredibly frustrated. Well, can you, but why you, you're working at it, can you share maybe some of those lessons from yes, your career? the OCD, the drug addiction, and, and how is that, like, I, I guess, moving forward, you said you want to be more humble. Wait till you have, wait till you get married and have that baby, that first one, you will be humbled, believe me. But, um, yeah, like, looking at that, um, and yeah, it's all worth it, but what are some of those lessons you, you take from that career uh, and going through all you went through moving forward. Um, uh, I mean, there, there, there's been a very radical shift in, I guess I'll, I'll just call it like an overarching more, more of a conscious behavior, which, you know, I, I think I, I was, I've been quite self-involved for a good, good portion of my life. Um, I didn't really care too much about relationships. I didn't have too much of a relationship with myself. I mean, we can list off the humility aspects, all these, um, you know, vulnerability, these aspects, which, you know, I think is, um, you know, a part of the human condition and really helps you. And I think I put up a lot of walls, uh, cared about the wrong things. And I, um, yeah, just looking at it, but I still can understand why. Um, but I think that there's a lot of lessons to be said for, you know, a proper, you know, more uh, meaningful way of living. Um, and I'm trying to align myself with that. But I mean, again, looking back, I can understand why I had no clue that that way of life even existed. Yeah, you're getting there. You'll get there. We all, you know, it's funny with, when you look back and you, again, you can pick it apart nine ways till Sunday. I, I look back at some of my stuff in hockey. Oh my God. And, and just at this point in your life, and what you're doing now, yeah, certainly look back and there's a lot of good lessons you can learn moving forward. I wish you all the best moving forward. I do. You've really been generous with us and you're a good man. And say hi to mom and dad. No, thank you, Willie. It's always good, man. It's, it's uh, you know, I've been blessed to cross paths with you and um, appreciate your time.